0: Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. A very, very special thank you to my Patreon sponsors who contribute to keeping the podcast ad-free. A special shout-out to Gail, who signed up as a patron this week. You can sponsor me by visiting patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about El Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. And I understand the various paths are very busy at the moment. We've emerged from the shackles of a pandemic. We're embracing the opportunity to explore and enjoy the slow tourism of pilgrimage. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're thinking of walking the Camino, do it. Take it off your bucket list and put it on your bucket list. The Camino provides an opportunity to be simple. And being simple is not easy. It's a challenge to wade through the rapids of our lives, to find calm beneath the breakers that we're constantly diving under or jumping over, to be simple, to live simply, to be our best selves, for ourselves and those around us, for those that love us and rely on us, those that rely on us to be there for them. The Camino is a great place to find a connection, a chance to walk in the footsteps of millions of pilgrims before you and to find a connection with their intention, to discover what it's like to live simply, to exist for a prolonged period with a change of clothes and a few added extras packed into a rucksack, and to simply walk each day. The barest of requirements provides for the barest of needs. Why not spoil yourself with a chance to grow and prosper simply? It's no secret we're living in difficult times, so we need reasons to seek prosperity, to grow and prosper. The American writer and pastor E.R. Reid wrote in her book, Live for results from purpose to plan to destiny. The ultimate measure of success in life is peace. Peace is serenity, prosperity and satisfaction in each area of life with freedom from persistent hostility, worry and discontent, even in adverse times. So I was intrigued when I received a copy of the book, Pilgrim, Finding a New Way on the Camino de Santiago. The closing line of the book's PR says, The question is no longer what do I want to do with the rest of my life. The question is, who do I want to be? The author is the British pilgrim Carolyn Gillespie, carries on the line, Welcome, pilgrim.
1: Hi, Dan. Thanks very much for having me to chat this morning.
0: It's my pleasure. We'll get to the book in a moment. But first, why don't you tell us how the Camino came into your life?
1: Uh, well, interestingly, um, I don't know if you remember that the volcano that erupted or some time back. Um, and it, it, it stopped all travel around around Europe. Um, and I was stranded in Madrid with my sister. And um I needed to get back for work. And it was a bit of an adventure, really. We'd gone to see her daughter in Madrid, but then we were, we were stuck in Madrid. So we had to come back via trains and boats and all kinds of unusual means. And while we were waiting for a ferry, um, I think we were coming from um, Santander. uh, We spoke to a lady who was meeting her husband, who had just finished the Camino. And it was the first time really we'd We'd heard anyone talking about it we'd heard the words we'd heard it sort of mentioned before but not in any detail and she kind of came alive when she was talking about it and she said her husband had just been you know transformed by this experience and um she couldn't wait to meet him and something of that sort of camino magic attached to me i think at that point and from then on i just kept hearing more and more about it and it and it kind of clung to me until i really thought actually i need to do i need to do this thing once i once it started calling i couldn't ignore it
0: yeah how fantastic so how many caminos have you walked how many how many have you done
1: um i did the frances in in 2016 and then we did the um the the english pilgrims way from winchester to canterbury two years later and then the pandemic happened and our plans, we had planned actually to start the Via Francigena the following year. And then the um, pandemic happened. So that, so that kind of put paid to that plan. Um, but then we uh, we walked the Portuguese way last October and then on to Finisterre. We tagged that on to the end of it. So just, just the two, just the two in France.
0: Tell us about that British pilgrimage.
1: Well, it's um, it's uh, there's a couple of pilgrimages in the UK. I think three actually that I'm sort of aware of that are trying to sort of establish themselves. But the Pilgrim's Way from Winchester to Canterbury is a is a pretty ancient route, and it follows a, a walking path um, known as the North Downs Way. And um, broadly speaking, it follows the North Downs Way. So it's about. Um, it took us about ten days. It was quite. It was. Um, I think we tried to do it too fast, actually. Um, It probably is a sort of 11 day walk. So I think it's probably about 300 miles, maybe less, maybe 250 miles. And um, it's quite long, long day. So we were um, not quite prepared for how challenging it was in terms of the distances each day. Um, But it's a really beautiful walk. It walks through three counties in England, sort of horizontally across the bottom of England, through Hampshire and then Surrey and into Kent. And it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm a Scot and I had not long moved down to England. I'd only been living in England for about a year or two. So it was really interesting for me just to spend a bit of time in England. Um, just kind of, I think you see things very differently when you're walking, don't you? You really, yeah. you understand the sort of vernacular of the, of the architecture and, and how the farming is done when you're walking walking through the landscape. Yeah. Um, so it was a really beautiful walk, not, not established in anything like the same way as as the Camino, but there were churches where you could get your we got we picked up a, a passport in the um in Winchester Cathedral and there were churches where we could have our passports stamped and they were hugely welcoming when we arrived in Canterbury because they don't have that many pilgrims um arriving. So we um, received a very warm welcome in Canterbury and it was kind of surprisingly moving to arrive in, in Canterbury after, you know, I thought my expectations were, were low actually after the, the very, you know, the, the big emotions of arriving in Santiago, but actually it was beautiful arriving in Canterbury too. Wow.
0: Um,
1: this the Shrine of Thomas, uh, Thomas, um, oh, I'm going to get the wrong one. Uh, Thomas Abeckett. Uh, or Thomas Moore, I can't remember. Thomas uh, Moore, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it
0: is Thomas <laughs> Moore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think it is. And and where are you staying? Are you staying in pubs or hostels or where?
1: We stayed um we stayed in a, a mixture of sort of travel lodges and um pubs. Much more expensive than the Camino, um, but we tried to keep the costs down as much as we could. So we we opted for whatever was the sort of cheapest option in the uh, along the way, um, and we stayed in some really nice pubs. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really lovely experience. I'm actually really tempted at the moment by a walk from London to Walsingham, which is another it's a Marian shrine in Walsingham, a very ancient shrine, and in fact that that pilgrimage was one of the big. Three or four, I think, back in medieval times, um, and they're again just trying to establish that route as a as a British Camino. And and the Confraternity of Saint James have recognised the London to Walsingham uh, walk. And there's an interesting new book about it. Wow! So that's that's next on my bucket list.
0: <laughs> Your bucket list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my
1: bucket list. Yeah, I like that very much.
0: <laughs> have you always been a writer, Carrie?
1: Uh, Yes, I think I have. I was a writer as a little girl. That's what I like to do, make little books, you know, stitch together little notebooks and write stories. And I was an English teacher for most of my life. So Ah. I've always been I've always worked with words. Uh, Yeah, I was a teacher for a long time. Um, But this is I haven't written. I haven't I wouldn't have called myself a writer until about six years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're also a poet. I was on your website and I saw the most beautiful poem. Can I read it? Something you wrote? Yeah, of course. This is called yes, The Of course, thank you. Yeah, it's called The Shadow Butterfly. I love it. Here it, you say, "It's mid-morning and I should be working. Instead, I am curled up like a cat watching a wood pigeon through the window. She is back and forth at her nest building, twigs in the corner of her beak like a wurzel with a stalk of wheat." Busy fool, she puts my idleness to shame. Inside the milk cartons all along the sill, rows of seedlings arch like the cours de ballet, tilting their faces up towards the sun. They are grateful, as I am, for the first heat of the year. And then the shadow butterfly makes her entrance. Caught in my peripheral vision, a flicker of darkness, she flits about the shadow net that holds me. I open my white hand, palm up, and she settles upon it. I don't look round. This is enough. Why do words resonate with you?
1: <laughs> That's an interesting question. I'm not I'm not sure. I think poetry when I was a little girl, um, I, I've always loved reading, but we we went to the library to get our books and actually I was talking about with this with a friend the other day. I think when I was you know very small, we'd never let children do it now, but probably nine or ten, we used to get the bus into into Dundee from where I lived and go to the library and stock up on our library books. And I didn't have very many books at home because we got all our books from the library. But I did have a, a collection of poems. I don't know if you've heard of the Scottish poet Robert Lewis Stevenson. Of course. The, he's also a novelist. But his um, ch- his children's poetry book, uh, A Children's Garden of Verse, was one of my the books that I I owned at home and i read it again <laughs> again i also had a a collection of aa um, a. milne poems and um, you could tell i was going to be a teacher because when i looked back at those old uh, books that i had i'd marked them all and given them little grades out of 10 and um, and given them ticks on lines that i really particularly <laughs> liked so i think poetry probably resonated from an early from an early age with me and i used to i you know i liked like to perform And I used to read them out to myself and to my teddies and things in in my in my bedroom.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: Something about the sounds I think really appealed to me the way words play together and chime.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you wrote this book. Uh, It's it's fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I I didn't want to put it down And what I found myself was saying to myself, I just love this because it really resonates with me because I'm yearning to go back. But you write about the the pilgrims being united by a common sincerity of purpose. What what do you mean by a common sincerity of purpose?
1: I think that when you're walking the Camino, people are careful not to pry, aren't they? They're not. I think everyone knows that People walk with different intentions, and there's a there's an interesting um, a sort of respect of that. I think when you're walking, and that sometimes when you're walking, people's stories come out, and it's beautiful, yeah. and that happens sort of organically. Something about the pace of the walk, I think, and being there, and not facing each other, all of those things help people to open up. But at dinner and other sort of communal times, I think people were very respectful of not prying too much, of, of allowing that um, sharing to happen naturally but i think what you did understand was that that for whatever the many various different reasons why we were all there we're all kind of united by something sincere we're all walking uh, with a, with a, a a a serious mission if you like to get to mm. santiago but that's a sort of secondary one there's a there's a a deeper more profound mission to get somewhere deeper on on the walk and And we kind of acknowledge that without, you know, it's not spoken, is it? But there's an acknowledgement that um, everybody's making their own journey and we need to be tender and mindful in their presence.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you recall the moment on your first Camino, Carrie, where you realised you were part of something bigger? Because you talk about um, being part of the history and feeling that great connection beneath your feet. Do you remember that moment where you thought, oh, wow, this, this is really special, something special is happening here?
1: Um, I remember, I remember being at the airport, actually, and in, um, in uh, we, we flew from Edinburgh, and then we had to change at Stansted. And we were in, um, in a queue to get onto the plane. And it was an Australian lady actually said to me, are you going to St. Jean? And I, I didn't really know what she was talking about. Hmm. And, um, and I said oh uh, no no we're going to, to um saint jean pied deport and i realized we were i didn't realize we were talking about the same place but she said oh are you pilgrims and it was the first time anyone had asked that question and i felt really uncomfortable about it i thought oh no oh no i'm not i'm not i'm not sure i'm really into this sort of group activity i don't you know i is somebody going to ask me to pray or is you know i i all my sort of british inhibitions kind of kicked in. And I thought, "Oh, is this going to be a group activity? I'm not sure I'm I'm up for that, you know, on my reserve. Made me think, oh, oh, no, this is not for me. And gradually, you know, in in Ronches Bayes and various other places where there are, you know, we were sitting together at pilgrim meals, and you get talking to people, and I thought, maybe this isn't too bad. But you know, I'm going to definitely, you know, stay in my own space and not get involved with other people. And then something, it wasn't really a communal experience, but when we went, we took a little detour to the chapel of San Esteban, I think it was about day four. So uh, I think, um, where would we be going? Before before Pamplona. We took, and it's a beautiful, beautiful church and it is a detour and it, it makes, I you know I wouldn't have taken the detour, but my much fitter friend was saying, yes, yes, we can definitely add another four kilometres <laughs> onto our walk. Yeah. And in in that church, Um, there are little sacred heart nuns that sort of welcome you when you're in there and you can climb up the belfry and, and ring the bell and, and your bell, the the bell ring takes about, I can't remember exactly, but like 17 seconds to echo across the valley and come, come back to you. And it's sort of extraordinary. And when we went downstairs, the nuns gave us um, a little poem and uh, really welcomed us. And I felt really moved by that experience. And I couldn't really quite understand, why because you know nothing nobody had said anything very profound and it was quite good fun ringing the bell but it was the first time that i thought oh something's happening here and i and i suddenly thought is this is this just a a long walk or is this something a bit different and that's the first time i thought oh this is something a bit different and so i suppose there was a kind of softening of my heart at that point and then that opened me I think to the sort of communal nature of the experience and we became much more open to to chatting and sharing with the people that we met in the case. so it it was a sort of um a gradual kind of softening opening or my shell came off yeah very kind obviously.
0: Of yeah wow and there is that British sort of stiff upper lip thing isn't there that would be more than difficult to, to shed. Yeah. So the book is called Pilgrim: Finding a New Way on the Camino de Santiago. And and in the in one of the the uh, on the on your website actually it says, and this is part of the journey you write about. The question is no longer what I want to do with the rest of my life. The question is who do I want to be? And you said that you found deep peace. What is mm. deep peace? What does it look like? What does it feel like? This deep peace.
1: I think I, I, I think I was always somebody who was wrestling with something, you know, my, myself mostly, um, and there was a kind of internal, you know, struggle going on always to kind of um, reconcile all the different aspects of myself. Hmm. And I, I think what the, what the Camino did, you spend so long walking with your shadow in a, in a literal as well as a metaphorical sense, yeah. that it gives you time to be in your own presence. And to kind of accept bits of yourself that you might have rejected before, and so that piece for me was a sort of uh, an acceptance of all the different aspects of myself, and you know, not good the good and the bad, and just thinking, okay, this is this is me. It doesn't have to be perfect, but the but let's just move forward, not rejecting bits, but just accepting it all and figuring it out.
0: Yeah, I love that. Tell us about the sturdy girls.
1: <laughs> the sturdy girls are my great friends. So Ali, when, when I, when I first decided to do the Camino, I had intended to walk alone and um, I I sort of came, up, came up upon, I came upon some resistance, particularly from my husband who was worried about my safety and, um, and some friends as well were just, I think they thought I was being a bit reckless and it, yeah, lots of women walk the Camino alone and, and I think it's a really wonderful experience in some ways I'd really s- still like to walk alone, but I began training, I, I, I quit, I quit my job, um, which was a probably a bit of a reckless move as well, yeah. <laughs> but I did quit my job and then I had a little bit of time to train before I went, um, before we started on the Camino and I had a friend who did training walks with me and she originally said, that she would do the training walks and then she said she'd come for a week and and then she said she'd come for a couple of weeks and then at the Christmas before we left in the April she said I'm going to come the whole way so Ali and I were our she she was my great walking companion and we're both kind of sturdy girls you know she's a farmer's daughter and she's she can she's resilient and and strong and so we um we 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 were kind of proud of that, I suppose, of our sturdiness, you know, that we weren't kind of young uh, life, (laughs) so agile uh, youngsters. We were kind of women of a certain age and and we were owning that strength. And then uh, as we planned the walk and people heard about it, a number of other friends said they would come and join us for a week and Tinker and Lynn, who joined us uh, for a week of that first Camino, but all of our Portuguese Camino and they did all of the um the Winchester to Canterbury walk with us they're also sturdy girls you know Tinker is 10 years older than me but she's really strong and and determined and I'm just kind of blown away by the strength of women of a certain age strength not just in their bodies but in their minds and their sort of ability to just get on with things and I really admire that and want to celebrate it and encourage other women of my age to kind of embrace their own strength and and their power and just know that they can do so much more than they might um imagine if they just give themselves a chance so yeah the sturdy girls became a became a thing yeah. and um yeah and now lots of other people are um are also in the sturdy girl club <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> well, sturdy-
0: I, I love the sturdy girls that San Miguel was their patron saint. <laughs>
1: yes yeah. yeah, st- 30 girls like to celebrate the end of the walk with a nice cold beer <laughs> yeah why not why not why not? Yeah. And,
0: and when you talk then about uh you write in the book about middle-aged women who keep going when those around them buckle who bandage the broken make them dinner and get them back on their feet <laughs> who looks after those yeah. women then who looks after those women oh, we-
1: yeah i think we look after each other um my group of friends, the Sturdy Girls, you know, we we have been with each other through some through sort of thick and thin and looked looked after each other in all kinds of difficult situations. Um, And we know, you know, you know, the women that are going to be there when you need them, you know, in in the middle of the night, or when you've had a bereavement or when things get really tough, you know, those women who will be there no matter what. Mm. And um, definitely, definitely, we support each other.
0: Yeah, how fantastic.
1: I have to say my husband also is, was a particularly, uh, you know, he was really supportive of the Camino and he, I knew that he was absolutely rooting for me uh, behind the scenes, you know, every day he was kind of willing me along and and his support really got me, got me to the end as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I think as well that uh, when you are, and this is the nature of the book is about finding a, a, a new way. I mean, that's the title of the book, Finding a New Way on the Camino de Santiago. Finding a new way to, to what, Carrie? Is it, is it a new direction? Is that what you're saying? If it is, how do you reconcile that with this role that you've played, these sturdy women, these middle-aged women who keep going when those around them buckle? How do you reconcile this new you with that role that you've played your whole life?
1: Is it, that's a really interesting question because I think... For- for me, if I'm, you know, if I was to be absolutely honest, the, the my first Camino wasn't a resolution. It began a process which has probably taken, well, I'm, I, it's probably a, I'm still an ongoing process. So it, it was the start of something rather than the end of it, um, of a kind of, of a journey towards a new way of being. Right. Um, and I think once you, once you start that process, you know, maybe it's inevitable that, that, certainly old ways of old ways of living or ways of being might fall apart fall away and perhaps that means that certain people who were in your life before and are, are no longer such a prominent part of it but i think that you know life life is about moving on and so my you know the, the role that i played as a mother certainly has really changed in that I don't have little children at home anymore. I've got, um my my eldest is 28 and I have twins who are 26. So what they need from me is very, it's very different from what they needed when they were two and six. So I need, it needs to be, it, it needs to be an evolving role. I need to, it, it needs to be a new way of being because I can't, you can't cling on to that. Role that maybe you know I adored being a mum and having the kids at home, but unless you change, unless you adapt, it's, you end up in a kind of sad place. So, I suppose there was a a necessity a necessity to change, but there was also a kind of profounder change in thinking about my myself and actually recognizing that my role wasn't always just to serve others as a mother or a teacher or as a wife, but also to put myself in that picture and think about,
0: you know, what my needs were. Yeah, um, yeah. Moving forward. Exactly. And now this chance for you to take care of yourself.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, how exciting.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the big part of the journey of of, of your journey and, and your friends and, and the sturdy girls and, and women of a certain age who, who go on the Camino yeah. and discover all of a sudden, wait a minute, I need to take care of myself.
1: Having spent the large part of your life looking after others that feels like an incredibly selfish thing to do but actually it's it's sort of the opposite because you can be much more you know fully present for other people if you're also taking care of, you, of yourself.
0: Yeah yeah, that's great. So you say in the book um, that you discovered on the Camino that the body may be broken but nature has the cure. How much mm. is nature and how much was nurture?
1: The being in the natural world on the Camino was the most beautiful privilege, you know, to be in outside in nature for, I don't know, the the best part of what would, what would you say, probably 12 hours a day. Yeah. It's um, just the most incredible gift. And to see the seasons evolving, we began in um, April in the snow in Ronchette, well, in saint jean Pierre de port And we finished in uh, in the middle of May in Santiago in the in the sun in shorts. So we I felt like we walked through winter, from winter through spring into into summer, and mm. to sort of see that unfolding, to see the to see the leaves coming into leaf and the 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 spring flowers coming out, was just extraordinary. And to be with the birds and to and to feel that um, sort of the grace, if you like, of of the natural world having an impact on you was really powerful. Um, so that that ex- that experience of being kind of um p- part of nature rather than a sort of an observer but but somebody who was in it rather than on the outside felt really curative to me and that's something I have definitely continued in my in my life since the Camino of re- of really enjoying that experience of being in nature and it's something I would say I need in my life now yeah um, yeah, I yeah. think. In terms of, of the nurture, I think that you you know the the um, sort of so much about my of my family and my childhood and things came back to me in the walk, and so those two things do definitely go hand in hand. Of those sort of patterns that we've established and the uh, the way the world has shaped us and the and the way we are shaped um, by our families, those two two things definitely went hand in hand. I would say
0: yeah there's no question about that if the japanese call it i th- my pronunciation will be shocking shinrin yoku which is walking in the woods forest bathing um, oh yes yeah, yeah. They, that they they go out to nature to heal um and mm. we could learn a thing or two from them couldn't we and that's i think yeah. p- part of the reason why the camino is so appealing and why you want to go back and it lures you back is because you you remember that you got fitter as the as the journey went on. You started to feel better and better all yeah. the time. And as you and I both know, some of those days where you thought, oh, gosh, this is really a tough day. When you got to town yeah. that night and you put your feet up and the other people were there and you were <laughs> laughing and, and having a San Miguel, that was part of the joy you felt like. A, a, it's an accomplishment. This, yeah, this it's is isn't it? A, <laughs> it, it. Really, is wonderful, and that's why I think it's so, yeah. so alluring. Yeah. yeah, there'll be there'll be somebody listening, Carrie, who who has already made a note to buy your book. And you say that what the Camino and and the book shows us what can happen when we jump off the path we're on and step onto a new one. It's about finding the new mm. you, where nothing looks the same. If I'm listening to mm. this and I haven't walked the Camino should i or could i be frightened by the challenge
1: <laughs> that's that's an interesting an interesting question because actually it is a little bit scary to think maybe i'll be a different person at the end of this than i was at the beginning because it's we all we all get very comfortable in in our in the patterns that we've established don't we um so i suppose a bit of fear i think most people when you, you know, when you're on Camino forums and people are about to walk, they experience that fear of, oh my goodness, you know, what am I doing? Am I crazy? That, and those fear I felt that, you know, like, what, what am I doing thinking I can walk across a whole country? You know, I've, never, <laughs> I've never been a fit person, you know, I've never been sporty. What am I doing? So I think the fear is, is natural. It's perhaps natural before we do anything that's really, um sort of significant you know no matter what starting a new job whatever it might be that fear is 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 real because our our psyche wants us to just stay exactly where we are where it's nice and safe (laughs) so we need to sort of face into that fear i think and say well you know maybe what what's the worst that can happen that you know i might uh, i might not manage it you know it, it might be too much for me and i might have to go home and and if i fail then what can i learn from that but I think facing into the fear is a really important aspect of the Camino, and I think pushing yourself a little bit further out of your comfort zone is is almost essential. If you want, if you if people are looking for an experience which is going to be profound, they need to step out of a, of the comfort zone in order for that to happen. Um, so, the I would just I think the facing into the fear is really kind of critical.
0: Yeah, how fantastic! What a great answer. So let's get the answer to our key question. That question is no longer what I want to do with the rest of my life. The question is, who do I want to be? Who do you want to be?
1: <laughs> well, I suppose I want to be somebody who is who is really um, sort of present for the people around me, you know, who, who um, accepts who I am with all my faults and all my flaws and loves myself anyway. And who can have a sort of an open heart and do what is required in terms of loving the people people around me um moving forward, it's about that for me, about being it was a change in my heart that happened um and my defenses fell away, and I was able to love more fully um and I'm hugely grateful for that, yeah.
0: What do your friends and family make of this new you, Carrie? <laughs>
1: um, I, <laughs> I I think they're I think they're proud that I'm doing what I want to do, which is right, which is writing. So that's a do a doing thing rather than a being thing. I think they've all moved on in terms of you know the children. My children are now adults, so I think they are. I think they were a little bit worried about me in the beginning, actually, because. As I said, it was a kind of process that started. So when I came back from the Camino, they kept saying, are you okay, mom? You just seem much quieter than before. Um, So there was a little bit of worry um, that I had sort of changed and they weren't, I think they weren't sure that the sort of extrovert side of myself was the happy bit. And I think they found it a little bit difficult to appreciate that the happy bit could be quieter, (laughs) if that makes sense. that you can be happy without being quite so um, extrovert, perhaps.
0: Yeah. But having said that, you've found a great gift for yourself, haven't you? What a blessing.
1: Yeah, such a blessing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the write, the writing has really become my, you know, my life. That's what I do I do now. So um, it feels uh, incredibly liberating to be doing something that I've always wanted to do and hadn't, really had the confidence or the courage to do before the Camino, to to fully commit to it.
0: Yeah, the new you. You know, yeah. you talked about um, your son, or one of your children anyways, in Canada. Um, mm. I was recently in Canada. And just before I left, uh, because I work in news, uh, in the news industry, we did a story about the discovery of the bodies of many indeed hundreds Mm. of little children Mm. and you wrote a poem it's on your website I was I had tears in my eyes Carrie Mm. you were visiting your son in Vancouver the city was gripped by the story of these children's bodies being discovered in unmarked graves hundreds and hundreds of Mm. them and I love the poem so much can I read it
1: yes absolutely
0: There's a gash in the path since the storm. A limestone lightning bolt shot through the bitumen, open to the bedrock. On Kit's beach, my boy finds an oyster, the one the gulls have missed. Turns it over in his man hands, my boy. He flicks at a barnacle, digs his white thumbnail in between the layers. He was always a picker, wood chip, that divot on the flip top desk, sunburn, raggy edged like a map of Canada. Shielding the city from the worst of the waves, the seawall behind us is peeling too. A plump I was here. I am here. I will be here. Written and rewritten in red and blue. And whitewashed. 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 A little one in moccasins leads us over the water to the pillar beneath the bridge. The words are scratched four feet tall. I can't count how many children they say. Magic. That's a magic poem, Carrie. Oh, thank you. That is just so fantastic. It brought me to tears. I just loved it so much. So, this new you, you now have a book under your arm. You've got all these poems and insight. You're an empty nester. You found yourself (laughs) in this wonderful part of your life.
1: What now? Well, now I'm writing for children um, which I absolutely love. I think you know my background being a teacher, um, so I'm I, yeah I'm, I'm I've just started the second in a series of books uh, about a little about a little one, <laughs> a little a little scrapper called Ursula, um, who's a feisty little redhead who lives in at the top of a hotel in um, in in Scotland. So very very much a sort of echo of, of my life. I was a feisty little scrapper. So um, yeah, it's really really good fun. I am absolutely loving it and um, escaping into the kind of joy of of, uh, of the children's world is um, absolutely uh, the best thing I can imagine doing with my days. Yeah. So yeah. So um, I've I think I've I'm on I've, I think I've written three novels and and a book of children's poetry since um, since Pilgrim. So I've just started the second in this uh, children's series. So keeping everything crossed, a publisher picks it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Is there another Camino or, or two on the horizon?
1: Well, I think I'm going to do the London to Walsingham walk. I've, I've been sitting, <laughs> sitting, when I'm finished writing, I sit and have a cup of coffee and look through this book thinking, oh, I could just go, I could just go and do it tomorrow, but I have to finish this book first. But um, the London to Walsingham walk is about um, 250 miles, I think. Um, and um, it's about a 14 day walk. Um, so I, that's that's the one I'd like to do next. And I'm just sort of, I don't know whether I want to do it solo or well, my husband's not very keen for me to go solo, but um, I might see if the Sturdy Girls will come on board and do another, another British one. Um, we do quite like, we like walking in Spain because for a number of reasons, you know, we it's it's wonderful being in a warmer climate. The accommodation on the Camino is so inexpensive that you can, it's, you know, we, we carry our own luggage and we stay in the most basic of accommodations and we have the most brilliant time. <laughs> so it's it's not a huge commitment in terms of money for us because it's not, it's quite, it's inexpensive to get to Spain. It's much more expensive to do it in, in Britain, which seems ridiculous um, in our own country. So I'm definitely toying with Walsingham and I, I also have a I have a bigger plan that one day I'd like to do the Via Francigena and go, because I've walked to Canterbury, I'd like to walk from Canterbury then to uh, to Rome, not all in one go, I think I would do it over a number of years. And my daughter, Connie, who's now 26, who we, we walked a bit of the Camino with me, um, is quite keen to do it over a number of years. So I would say the Walsingham Walk and the and the Via Francigena are the two that are absolutely top of my bucket list. I'm going to call it that now. Um, <laughs> I definitely would like to do both of those at some at some point in the not too distant future. Before my knees give
0: in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. And and it's it's also good to just to walk and, and, and get that fitness and your knees get stronger. Yeah. Uh, but there might become yeah. a day when, when you can't walk anymore, which would be a great shame. Yeah. A great shame. Hmm. You, you tell so many stories in the book. Why don't you tell us a Camino story to finish the podcast?
1: <laughs> well, I was thinking about this because I think it happened on this day, Um sort of, I don't know, six years, uh, how long, many years ago, 2016, so uh, seven years ago, um, we were on a very long stretch at the end of the Massetta, just before we came into Lyon, I think two days before Lyon, and um, I'm not very good, I'm quite grumpy without breakfast, and I had kind of got into a bit of a pattern where we could get up early, walk, you know, to see the sun rise, and then walk to a, to a, um, a coffee shop but this particular stretch it told us that there were no facilities for 14 kilometers and our the albergue that we were staying in said that we could get coffee somewhere or other on the way out of town but but we were too early and the place that we got to for coffee was closed and not opening for another hour so we had to just go for it and i'm really i'm not great without coffee in the morning or without something to eat and um, I was kind of in a bad mood and mostly on the Camino I was in a good mood, but this morning I was really on a bad mood, in a bad mood. So the Sturdy Girls kind of went on ahead and I sort of lingered at the back, you know, feeling kind of grumpy. And we we'd um, it was a very long, very boring straight road. And there aren't many stretches of the Camino that I would say were boring, but this was boring and challenging in that it was very straight and there wasn't much to see and I was feeling grumpy. And then we, we noticed after about 14 kilometers, it was was a long way. Um, we noticed people sitting in what looked like a bus shelter and we thought, Oh, maybe that's, it's sort of like a mirage in the distance, isn't it? And you sort of think, are they all waiting for us. They're waiting for something. I think everybody needed to go to the loo and the bit behind the bus shelter, just became like a giant outdoor toilet, which was absolutely awful. So we arrived in this place and, um, with hope we had hope that there might be some refreshments but it was really just a a bench and a wall and a place where people went to the loo and there were all these sad people sitting huddled thinking this is horrible what are we doing here and they were all waiting and we saw two friends Stefano and Mike who, who had kept our spirits up and they were also there waiting so we kind of greeted them you know like long lost friends like you do on the Camino and um and they said, look, there's nothing here, it's just a loo, people are just resting, we'll just move on. And then in the distance, we saw this white van approaching and um, Tinker, my friend said, that's our coffee. And and we kind of laughed and thought, that's not coffee, it's a white van. And and then she said, just wait, don't go. And we, we waited and the van, this van pulled up and opened up a shutter and was selling fresh coffee. <laughs> it, was, it felt like a miracle that in this place, in this, in this, you know the worst oasis you could possibly imagine um this van arrived for, with our coffee and it felt like a miracle the miracle of the coffee van we called it and we all the people we all started to sing hallelujah and all the people that were all being sat all hunched up and looking very fed up all sort of came to life it was like a you know that's what everybody needed was just a cup of coffee to keep us going to the next to the next stop so those kind of camino miracles happen a lot i think when you really need things Funny things happen,
0: don't they? They certainly do. What a great story! (laughs) I can picture you all, and I can picture the joy in your faces as well. Um, It's just so lovely. It's so lovely. Hey, I'll 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 tell everybody about the book and where they can find it in in the outro of the podcast. But I want to say congratulations to you, Carrie. The book is magic. So is your poetry. Um, And I'm just no, I'm really touched. And I'm really pleased and and delighted to have had the opportunity to talk to you. So thank you for taking the time to have a chat. It's early in the morning in the UK. uh, (laughs) And I really appreciate it. You've been very kind with your time. Uh, In the meantime, buen camino.
1: Buen camino. Oh, Treya.
0: My guest this week was the British pilgrim, Carolyn Gillespie. And you can find her at carolyngillespie.co.com. Dot uk, Carolyn Gillespie The book, Pilgrim Finding a New Way on the Camino de Santiago, is available where all good books are sold via Amazon and Goodreads. And it was the American writer and pastor E. R. Reid wrote in her book, Live for Results from Purpose to Plan to Destiny. The ultimate measure of success in life is peace. Peace is serenity, prosperity and satisfaction in each area of life with freedom from persistent hostility. Worry and discontent, even in adverse times. A very special thank you to my new Patreon sponsor, Gail. Thanks for your kindness. You can sponsor me too via patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way.